0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Today is CISO Thursday, where we share the experience from leaders in our community on how we can attract, retain, and develop talent for the future. Today, our guest host is our guest is um, Dr. <laughs> Joseph Burt Miller. Uh, he's joining us from the the from CISA. Yeah. Um, Dr. Joseph, you want to give us a little background about yourself and uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll,
1: I'll just make a minor correction. I, I am uh, with the Department of Homeland Security. So, well, you're close. It's uh, kind of in the same family. But no, um, yes, I am uh, I'm a proud New Yorker from Mount Vernon, New York, uh, originally. Um, currently reside uh, in Maryland. I'm in the DMV. I um Air Force veteran, four years in the Air Force. Um, then after that just went uh government uh civil service pretty much I'd say my entire I guess working career is but pretty much government work. So and I bounced around, gone to different uh different areas. and um you know there's learn experience, you know, great learning experience each stop I've I've made along my career. Um but no, and also with that, I I I do enjoy my time giving back. I spend, I, I believe Professor, Professor Roger could attest to, even the work that we do currently and uh, working with uh, those that want to get into the field, where, where they you know create home labs, doing study sessions, things of that nature. That's probably one of the things I I really do enjoy the most is helping helping others you know get that development and achieve
0: the goals that they want to achieve as it pertains to cybersecurity. Well, sometimes we, we get a lot of, we have a lot of veterans in our audience. Um, tell us about your transition from the military uh, to, I guess, public sector and how you went about doing that um, quick overview. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I, so as I said, I
1: did four years in the air force. I, um, I guess a little bit of a story with that. I'll, I'll try to be quick. I actually had aspirations to stay in the Air Force. Uh, but during that time, they were doing uh, something called like force shaping, if I remember. That's correct. Uh, but basically what that was is I had to choose whether to stay in my current my current uh, AFSC or, or my career field. And th- at that time, I wasn't doing IT. I was in um, uh, HVAC, uh, Heat and Ventilation Air Conditioning. Um, so I was doing that in the Air Force. So I had to choose whether to stay to to go to a different career field or to uh, honorable discharge. Um, and, and honestly, at the time, I didn't really think about doing anything else. Or what what was in my mind I was like, oh man, I want to go to tech school again. So I was like, I'll just get up. Um, yeah. So after that, I my first uh, government civilian job was working at the Department of Veterans Affairs in uh, East Orange, New Jersey, still doing HVAC at that time. Uh, I spent uh, at least, what, about six, six and a half years there. And maybe at least four or five years in, I was studying for my bachelor's um, in uh, computer information systems with the St. Leo University. And um, so as I was studying, I, I noticed there were, there were positions that were open that were being offered. Um, so I was applying as far as for for IT, IT positions that that were uh, or IT position offerings. So I, I was applying, and um, I will tell you, I did not. It was a, it was a struggle because I, I did not get it on my first try. It, I almost, to be honest with you, I almost gave up because uh, I I received a lot of rejections. I was probably, I didn't break through until probably like my eighth or ninth try. Um, and, you know, and once I did break through, it was that much more rewarding because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, I had a great uh, supervisor. Uh, he, so yeah, he was my first uh, IT supervisor and he gave me a lot of leeway. He gave me a lot of room to grow, to learn. Um, he allowed me to experiment with stuff. I, I don't think a, a lot of people would, I mean, a lot of supervisors will have the patience to do. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that because that helped me in my development. He gave me a lot of great advice. He always told me to, you know, uh, you know, work on my certifications. Um, he, uh, he, he has such an impact, so, so significant in, in my career that, you know, even to this day, you know, I still keep up with him. He's, he's retired now. Uh, I think he's in Florida, but, uh, no, I still keep up with him. You know, every, every step I've made along my career, I let him know, I'll give him updates and let him know how I'm doing because, and, and that really told that really taught me how, how valuable a great leader is, how much of an impact uh, a, a, a supervisor can have in your life. And I think that's what, that's the true meaning of, to me, what a supervisor is supposed to do. It's not so much to say that they're your boss, um, Yes, you do respect that authority, but at the same time, I, I believe a, a great supervisor, in my view, is one that could teach and lead, and genuinely wants to see your development and to see you grow, and not try to hold you back. I have I've had experiences where, uh, where I've had supervisors that you know they don't they don't want you to go anywhere or try to keep you down because it it's making them look good. Um, you know that that's not great either because that's 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 stunting your growth um so no yeah i, I definitely learned a lot from um uh, from him and you know i kept that kept that in mind as, as i moved on and as every stop that i've made um fr- from there i went on to um where i go i, I went the, the va in omaha nebraska uh, and then from there i stopped at the uh, uh offered air force base uh yeah, out there in Omaha, uh, came back to the East Coast, uh, worked at the uh, DoD uh, Cyber Crime Center, um, in, at least in of Heights, Maryland, and um, lead up to where I am now, Department of Homeland security. Uh, where at first I was working with uh, uh, biometrics uh, as a biometrics, uh, I guess, program analyst mm-hmm. um, slash, I guess, portfolio manager, um, doing that, and then the past what year, year and a half now, um, still with DHS, but now while uh, working within project management.
0: You went from doing HVAC to yes. your bachelor's, and now you have your doctorate, and you're in cybersecurity. That's quite a journey. Um, what, what, what? First, what got you from HVAC to tech and cyber? I,
1: so my, I, I guess my passion or love for IT and cyber was before military, before, um, you know, work within the government. Uh, it really started from my uncle um, from when I was young. He was, he was a, um, he did a lot of like tech repair, uh, PC repair. Um, so at the time he was living back in uh, Patterson, New Jersey. And growing up, uh, so he was my father's brother and, you know, growing up, you know, sometimes we, we would make, uh, I guess, like little mini road trips from New York to Jersey to go and visit. And I always enjoyed those trips because I always knew, you know, my uncle, he had all like PC parts all over the place. And and I was like, and, you know, to me, I was like, man, I, I was just fascinated by it. And, and I'm thankful that he had the patience to listen to my question or take my questions or listen to me. Cause I was very inquisitive. I, I did want to learn. And, you know, it really piqued my curiosity. And I think again, it kind of goes to um, making that point of how good leadership can have a, a positive impact or have a, a real significant impact on, on someone. Because like I said, he, he was really my first uh, exposure into it, into the it world. And from that, he, um, that led me to want to do, you know, tinkering with like uh, PCs, you know, taking them apart, working. Them out. I, I was even doing like PC repair. I do. I even started like my own little business. I guess uh, doing like PC repair on the side. You know, I even created like my own work order sheet and everything. And you know, just um, but right. that, that helped me to develop my own skills. And, and before I even got into IT, I was still doing HVAC at the time. But I was still learning. How to do IT because I, I just had that that love and passion for it and wanted to keep working and practicing um, uh, to 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 get my to make myself better.
0: Um, so, I hope well, that uh, uh, <laughs> answers from Paul Cummings in in the audience. Um, definitely explaining leadership over management, and it sounds like you've had some great leaders and mentors in your career. As you've grown within uh DHS, what are some recommendations that you might have for um vets or non-vets that are looking to join DHS and, and be part of the mission? Um to join DHS with an IT? Yes. Or
1: okay, yes. yes. So I, I give IT this fiber, advice. Yeah. Yes, so, so I, I give this advice to um mentees, those who I encounter, that those that are, are looking to uh, get into the field, um, so especially specifically for those that do want to do IT or cyber within the government space, so I tell them, I think number one is to, you know, focus on your certifications because um, if you look on USA Jobs, I'd say 98% of those positions, they're requiring you to have uh, security plus um, minimum Um You and and I, and of course, they had may have other certs, uh, depending on the position, but the usually the common denominator is having that security plus. So, I always tell those who I encounter say, Hey, go for your security plus, at least get that. I also tell folks to also look to get your A plus as well, um, only because I think that gives a very good um foundation especially if you're like brand new in the it like really have no sort of um experience or knowledge i think having a plus is very is a good foundational uh certification or or e- even if you don't even get the cert if you just study the books that I, I think there's a lot of good material that that could help you to build upon but yeah i, I mean if you're going to do that you might as well just get the cert but um and 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 also too because and there's always like the i guess the the long-standing debate of whether one should get degrees or certifications i for for myself i'm the crazy one that went and got the doctorate but that's only for for myself honestly uh it was more of a personal challenge it's not to say i went in to say i want to get this doctorate so i can get this xyz position uh, no I, after i finished my I, I, after I finished my master's, which was in cybersecurity as well, I um I was kind of like hemming and hawing. I was like, man, should I go for the doctor? And I had a comment, you know, during that whole indecision, I did have a conversation with my grandmother. And she she gave me very simple advice. And, you know, that was enough for me to, to go and do it because I feel I would just be living in regret. Was like, oh, man, you know, if all this time passed, I would be just looking back and saying, oh, man, should- I would have been done already if I just started back then. So. Um, But no, uh, I, I say to those that, you know, you're trying to get in, I would say, depending on if you're going private sector or, or government, if it's government, I say, you know, focus on those required certifications, uh, particularly most likely it's going to be security plus. Um, and then also once, once you're in, take uh, take advantage of your training um, training department for, you know, your first position that you get in and, and leverage them to say, Hey, I, uh, you know, I, I see the certification or I see this degree program I like to do. Cause as long, main thing is that it has to be in alignment with your, your duties or your job that it will get approved. Um, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but from, from what I've seen, that's usually what it will take the, the criteria in order for um, certifications or any sort of program to be approved, as long as it's, it's it's in alignment with what you're doing, because now you're adding more value to your organization by getting more proficient uh, in this field. So they see, you know, you, you're taking steps to to better yourself, and um and also you're contributing back back to the organization. I don't see why they would say no. And degrees really would help, especially if you are trying to move up. Uh, within the field, so like especially um, if you're looking for leadership positions, again the masters and maybe even the doctorate. You know, if you even if you let's say you know you want to be director or so, you know some sort of executive level position, having having those degrees, the higher level degrees will will definitely help your case. But as far as getting in, I would really just focus on certifications and of course again that experience. You know, and there's a lot of low cost free resources out there, a lot, lot of, um, you know, a community, join groups, uh, prime example, Professor Roger, you know, he, he does, a, a, gr- a great work w- within his discord channel. Um, you know, his offerings and the time that he puts in, you know, doing, uh, uh Linux, uh, classes, uh, security plus, uh, classes. So I always, you know, refer to the people that help me and, um, you know, great people like I said, like Professor Raja, who's doing great work for, within the uh, within the community.
0: Wow, that that that's great. Um With regards to preparing like a federal resume, do you have any recommendations there? Because I know a, a federal resume is totally different than a, a commercial private sector resume. A, any recommendations on how to prepare there?
1: Yeah, I. Um, there, I would say there's one person who I feel who has helped me, uh, her name is uh, Janine Wiggins. She, uh, she definitely specializes in, in federal resume revamps, you know, um, helping get your resume to where it's, um, it. You're getting uh, notice. You're you're getting uh, at least getting to the interview, and uh, and of course from the interview on, you know it's really on you after that. But no, um, you I, I I will not say that I'm a resume expert, so I, I'm not gonna try to claim that. But I know there's you know great people like like I said, uh, Mrs. Jeanine Wiggins. She she's very helpful. Um, you can find her within LinkedIn as well. She does a lot of great work and and helping those you know trying to get your federal resume up to snuff and um, you know you know get to the point where you can get that interview. So you know I will look for you know people like like her who who offer those services, especially for for federal resume uh, review and um, uh, modification, uh, who can help get you
0: to uh, the point you need to be um, as you're applying for these positions. And what are some of the, the differentiators? I mean, I know you're not a professional, but like for when she revamped your resume, like what, why is it so much different than the private sector ones? Oh, well, well,
1: well, I think I'm, I'm biased when it comes to the government resume, because you can go as long as you want, you know, the private sector resume, they do, you, you know, you have to try to stay within that two to three page. I, I don't know. If three pages too long. Uh, You know, uh, but with government you know, like, uh, government positions or government resumes, you know, there's really no limit. Um, and I, I, that's probably one of the biggest di- differentiators, because especially if you have a lot of, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of time that you've invested, you're going to have a lot to say. You're going to have a lot, you know, especially those who have that military background, too. You don't want to discount that, especially if it's relevant, if it's relevant experience. Yeah, you don't want to leave it off. Um, So it's that's probably the biggest difference between, um, you know, uh, government resumes and private sector, private or public sector uh, resumes is the the length. Um, You you could really state your case in in a government resume, whereas, you know, private or public sector resumes, you kind of. I feel you gotta really skim everything down as much yeah. as possible.
0: Well, yeah, definitely. Two two pages tends to be uh, the the max that you would see unless you're in senior. I, I, you later. know, honestly,
1: I don't even know how you do it because <laughs> for me, I
0: couldn't. I have way too much stuff, man. <laughs> well, it, it's. It, I think it's about creating the stories like. Um, what, what's a major situation that you tackled, uh, what were the opportunities to resolve that situation? What actions did you take and what results did you generate? And creating those stories help helps hiring managers show in a short period of time, how, how you would tackle, uh, one of their business problems. So, um, yeah, you, you, you squeeze in all the technology that you might've used and things like that to get the keywords, um, from the job description, but uh, yeah, it, it is a ta- it, it is a talent as well, and there are folks yeah. that help with um, prompting those resumes as well. Um, from from the the, the pro- program management aspect of things, um, sh- share with our audience how that interacts with the different cybersecurity experts, and um, what do you do on a day to day.
1: Yes, so you're as from the I guess project management perspective. You you are you at least for, for for myself. You know, not necessarily doing the I guess uh, technical aspects each day. You're more so kind of looking back and seeing the overall um, operations of, of of a project, uh, working with different uh, different different teams. Um, for for myself. Uh, Particularly, I work more with the the risk management uh, piece of it. So I, I meet in on a regular basis, um, uh, weekly. You know, going over our risks. You know, going over our mitigation steps. Get an understanding of you know where we are. Wh- what are we doing to um, uh, remove any blockers? Anything that's that's really getting in the way? Making sure that we stay on schedule for the project. And if and if we're not, you know, we need to do um, schedule changes if need be or, you know, or re- request to get it uh, approved. Um, I think also the big, biggest thing, too, is that, you know, working with contractors as well. A big part of it is relationships um, because it, it, it can get testy. <laughs> it, it I've... Um, i've witnessed some uh i'd say i'm not i'm not saying it was coming to any fisticuffs but you know you you could tell by the tone (laughs) that there's a little tension in the air um especially you know if if things are not going as you know you don't really have the desired results that you want for the project um yeah the yeah I think it's almost natural that, you know, there is gonna be some frustration and things of like that. And a lot of times you're gonna find people pointing fingers at each other and stuff like that, which which is not good, but um it happens, you know. I, I know the book says one thing, but when in real world it's uh it's a little different. But uh but no, you 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 are trying to make the best of it. You are trying to really you, you are trying to be professional and, and work with others. You know, you work with other groups, you know, contractors, it's not all, you know, all government I, from, from my case, it's not all government employees. You are working with others that are, you know, government, I guess government contractors uh, working uh, towards, uh, to, towards the project. So, yeah, so um, you, you are relying on others to do their part, do their job and, and, um, and then, you know, You're making daily, not daily, but I'd say consistent checks to make sure you are staying on track and, you know, keeping leadership uh, abreast of what's going on and giving them a realistic outlook of of where things are going and getting their involvement if need be, you know, especially if we need, you know, extra money or we're not going to, you know, stay on schedule or, or what have you, whatever the case is, you, you definitely need to make sure the leadership is involved and they're, that they are aware of what's going on and who need their help that they can, you know, effectively step in and, and try to make any sort of uh, course correction.
0: And um, how do you keep up with the changing technology so that you're able to have these conversations with the stakeholders and you're not trying to pull, pull the wool over your eyes? So, um, yeah, we do, at least for
1: us, we, we use Microsoft teams a lot, you know, you have to use like those type of technologies like that. I I will say from when the pandemic started or at least the, um, maybe the shutdown portion of it, um, we, we as an organization, we were just trying to figure out like what to use because, uh up to that point, you know, we we did have, we were allowing um, people to work remote, not remotely, um, telework maybe like once or twice a week or something like that. Um, But now when the pandemic hit, you know, everyone was working from home and it was a big adjustment. Everyone that whether they were, you know, against remote work or whatnot, Hey, this is what we deal with now because everyone has to remote, you know, work from home. So it kind of accelerated programs or accelerated, um, ideals as far as, um, you know, get, get into where that we could work functionally. Um, so, so during that process, there was a bit of trying times where we were, we were using different software to figure out what, what worked best. We used, uh, uh, Webex. We used um, I don't know. There's a couple of other ones I, I I can't quite remember now. But we finally landed on Microsoft Teams and kind of making those enhancements. Uh, you know, there's a lot of software updates we had to make, uh, ensuring that also ensuring that the, the servers were were stable enough for for everyone to be to be working from home on on VPN. Um, so that you know that was a big change because we didn't have like the whole entire work for working from home at one time. um, And, and honestly, that was always something I really was, I, I was always a proponent of uh, remote work even before the, the shutdown happened. And, and this is kind of going back to my HVAC days because what, I guess one of the things that I was accustomed to, especially when I was at working at the VA um. We would have uh, shutdowns where we would shut the hospital down and um, run on the generator for at least about a couple of hours, and just as as a test to see how you know doing like stress tests to see how the hospital making sure that the hospital could still run in, in the event of a real you know real world of, event if it goes down. And I always felt that we didn't have we didn't have our stress tests to to say like to have everyone you know kind of you know work from home you know re- really try to stress out you know our servers our resources and to really have an accurate idea of, of where we are and what we need to do to improve so we had to do that on the fly once the shutdown started but i, I feel um i, I feel we should have taken advantage of it before like i said the the shutdown happened but um and, and and again, it kind of goes back to those, you know, those difference of ideals, you know, what leadership didn't want or didn't really think much of a remote work or didn't like it, but it, but then it, it's, uh, you get kind of caught, I don't want to say your pants down, I don't think that's the right term, but the uh,
0: you, you had to learn.
1: You, you had to learn very fast. You yeah, know, maybe faster than than anticipated because because now you're forced to do it as opposed to when you had the time or the luxury time to do it. You know, didn't take advantage of it. So now you have to. So it's it's a bit different. But um, things are pretty fairly stable now. And it, it, it wasn't all that great at first. I I admit.
0: Nice, nice. Well, we have a question from from the audience. Um. For transitioning vets, you nailed it, PM work. Um, would you suggest that they try to get their Sigma Six program, or did you have, do you have better recommendations for the PMP program? What would you recommend for them to buff up their their PM work? I I honestly I, I so I haven't
1: done the Six Sigma um, myself. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that, though, honestly, um, but definitely get, getting into uh, the PM, PM world, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, definitely get into the, the PMP. I also, I've noticed a lot of folks, you know, getting the PMP also with their, um, I think it's the CSM, the Scrum, Scrum Master, or, yeah, or yeah. CM, I can't remember now. Yeah, or certif- Certified Scrum Master, CSM, there you go. Um, that i see a lot of people doing that a know, those getting that good experience um but but also depending on i guess on the organization w- once you do understand what uh methodology they're using i think that will help best dictate as to what maybe you should focus on it, it's almost like with, with it certs um if if you're trying to do pen testing you're not necessarily gonna uh choose uh I don't know cloud or you know or certification that doesn't really align with what you're trying to do so um that i I would say get an understanding of where the organization is you know where they are as an organization and then kind of cater your goals cater your focus uh to that so that way you know because you know I don't need to tell you. Search costs money, man. So yeah, you probably. don't want to waste time and money for search you're not going to use. So I think once you get that focus down, then kind of go on that path to where you're most effective.
0: And from from your perspective, are uh, TPM or PM roles still considered stable? And uh, if there's an economic downturn,
1: oh yeah, I I, I believe so. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, project management, cyber, IT—you still need them. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, we're approaching um, the end of our our session today. If you had to think about your your path, your journey, and go back to when you were transitioning out of the military, what one piece of advice would you give uh, to your younger self that you wish you had? That's a great question,
1: man. I I would say knowing, I think if I had a better, if I had a better idea of knowing that I was gonna get out, because like I said, I had aspirations to stay. But if I knew that I was going to get out, I probably would have started my IT journey earlier. Or started it within the military, and maybe even making that transition—you know, doing IT work within within the military. Um, but yeah, but but those that are in, you know, and and those uh, military members that are close to getting out or transitioning out, definitely don't wait until like your last year. I would say give yourself at least two years or so if you know that you're going to get out. This is like your last your last tour um, start making those adjustments, start making those preparations, you know, early, um, because I I will say the, I think it's called the TAPS program. I, I'll be honest, it it didn't help me at all. (laughs) It, it it just felt more like a, uh, you know, check on a box thing to say, we gave you this briefing. Now you can separate, you know, like it, and it's almost like a liability. They're covered as far as the military, and then you can get out. But yeah, if you're really serious about, like I said, job preparation as far as getting out, you know, you definitely want to have a plan. You know, get have a good understanding of what you, what it is that you want to do um, before you before you separate, because I, I think once you get to that last year, it, it may be too late. I think you should be using that last year to, to really start applying and have something reserved. Waited for you when it's time to get out. Um, I think a lot of people, I, I've had, um, a fellow colleague, um, Dr. Lisa Marie Lee, uh, she's in, a, a, you know, military veteran as well. And, and, and one of the conversations that we've had, you know, a, a lot going back and forth as far as, you know, mi- military veteran preparedness, you know, for, for the, for the workforce, you know, as they as they transition out, are they truly prepared and, um, it is something that at least from the time when I, when I got out, it, I didn't feel I I, tabs didn't help me in my journey. So, and if that's what it's there for, we, it it does need improvement because it's really not, you know, um, it's not doing what it's intended to do.
0: Well, thank, thank you for that. And, And that's one of the reasons that, um, Paul Cummings and myself, we started the whole cyberhuman initiative is really to to help folks that are transitioning into cyber, provide right. that guided path for them. It's a nonprofit and we we aim to help individuals discover who they are and what they want to do and kind of have that path. So um if you're interested, check it out. Uh, thank yeah. you, Dr. Joseph. Um Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. You <are>. Joe, um, <laughs> your, your link is in the description for those that want to follow um, Dr. Joseph. For those of you on LinkedIn, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, connect with myself, connect with Dr. Um, Joseph and Professor Roger. For those nice. of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. And for those of you listening after the fact, uh, give us reviews, give us five stars Share us with all your friends and family. That way we can can have a diverse group of people um, joining cyber. Thank you all very much. Thank you.